What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined as always by David Lake, but we also have uh, the third amigo with us for this episode, uh, Gabby Yerudia. Did I finally get that correct, Gabby? You did it, man. You did it. Yeah. Good job. You've been spelling it, you've been spelling it right, too, on the site, so I've been, this, is, this is all coming together. Well, you was it, have I been spelling it wrong? Uh, a few times, but it's no big deal. It's all right, oh, dude. Boy. It's all right. <laughs> people well, still. We're getting there. Um, people still pronounce my name wrong or spell it wrong all the time. Like one of my friends in his phone, I I'm saved as I apostrophe V A N S. I I like don't even know how that is a not thing. Not sure how that happens. Um. <laughs> Let's not even talk about last names. Uh, Miami got some good news on, on Thursday night, and that's really what kind of sparked this conversation I want to have for this podcast. Uh, the first commitment is in for the class of 2022 for the Hurricanes. It comes from Jamal Johnson, a three-star defensive lineman out of Hollywood, Chaminade, Madonna Prep. Um, if you guys follow Miami recruiting, you know this is like a feeder school, a pipeline school uh, for the Hurricanes. And that really got my head kind of thinking, what is the top feeder school right now for the Hurricanes? And maybe what has been the top feeder school over the past, I don't know, a couple, few cycles. And I guess we could stretch this as far as, as we want. So I tasked David and Gabby with kind of formulating an argument for a school of their own. Gabby's been assigned uh, Miami Columbus, David, Miami Northwestern. Obviously, there's some other schools are in there. So on, on, later on in the episode, we're going to kind of go through that. Um, but the first part uh, of this, I want to kind of talk about Jamal Johnson because I'm sure most fans have like no idea who uh, he really is. So um, Gabby... I know you had a chance to see Jamal at that Under Armour camp, which was like your unofficial day one with us. Just kind of what did you think of him and having watched uh, watched the huddle? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think that he's definitely an interesting prospect. I think that he's a guy that, you know, is, while he's listed as like a defensive end, I think it's pretty, pretty well known. He's probably going to be more of like an inside type of guy. He moves really well for – for a guy his size and just his age, I thought like, you know, we were just talking about it before the show, you know, just running the 40, he looked really, really good. He looks like he moves well. He works the bags really well. And I just think that he's a guy that, I mean, I think obviously he's still climbing towards his ceiling. I think that uh, it's definitely a good prospect. And I think he's a solid first addition to this uh, 2022 class. David, big picture wise, Miami, I mean, at some point, they were going to have to add the first one in the class of 2022. I, I thought for a while, I had a hunch, maybe it's going to be they're waiting for like a quarterback. But I think that gets a little difficult because you still don't have your quarterback in the class of 2021. So how do you take one in 2022? Um, and, and they end up with Jamal Johnson. I think from an outsider's perspective, like this makes the most sense. This will be your first guy. I think he's a guy who's probably never really going to waver. It seems like most of these Shamanad Madonna kids once they commit, they're solid. Uh, we saw Thad Franklin, Andre Borgales shut down their recruitment. So what do you think of it just kind of in terms of that perspective? Yeah, big picture wise, I think he's definitely a nice fit for the type of defense Miami is going to play. And, you know, he fits 
that's not, I mean, he, he's an undersized defensive tackle, basically. So he's six foot one, six foot two, 230 to 240. Um, but he's, he's quick, he moves well. And that's what Miami covets from their defensive tackles. They want athleticism. They're not looking for big space eaters. They're looking for guys that can get up upfield in a hurry, get behind the line of scrimmage and wreak havoc. And I think Jamal Johnson uh, will, you know, fits that mold. He, he reminds me kind of of like a shorter Elijah Roberts, almost like right now he's, he's, you know, maybe a tweener. Like I think he plays some reps, some of his snaps in high school or at defensive end. Uh, but when you project him to college, probably the ideal fit is defensive tackle. And, you know, he's an, he's a plus athlete at that position. We talk about how there needs to be with Miami, you know, they need to recruit locally. Right. And, and, and to do that at a, at a high level, you need to have a system and a scheme that uh, will be appealing to the athletes. Most of the athletes in Miami and Broward County are fast, somewhat undersized guys who, you know, when they get in a strength and conditioning program, they'll gain that size that they need. Uh, I think Jamal Johnson is, is a guy that kind of fits that mold. And so I think he's a nice first addition. Uh, you can tell me better, but it seems like the defensive line class locally is strong in general, right? So this kind of gets that, gets that off to a strong start. Yeah, and he is, from what I've heard from the people I talk with, he's going to be an interior guy all the way. That's kind of what they view him at. Um, you know, he's listed at 6'2". I, I think he's probably shorter than that, but that doesn't mean he isn't growing. When I was first introduced to him, um, you know, he might have been like 5'11", and, and he's continues to grow. I think he's got an 80-inch wingspan, already 240 pounds, and like that's fine by me. I know some sites out yeah. there want to be like, oh, you know, I need a guy who's 290. Like, no, I'm the complete opposite. You know, he doesn't have much bad weight. Um, yeah. So, and he's, you know, played two years at a program that's won a, th- a 3A state title, like had gotten significant sna- uh, snaps, eight sacks this past season. So I think it's a good get for Miami. Um, they'll slide him inside and that still allows for you to go after what we're calling kind of this elite edge rusher group in the class of 2022. And probably I think the most notable one that has already turned into the, the musket for fans is Kenyatta Jackson, who is also at Chaminade Madonna Prep. Um, so it'll be interesting how uh, this all shakes out. So quick break, other side, we're going to go into what is the real pipeline for Miami. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, gentlemen, we are back after that quick break. Um, we kind of discussed this or I was thinking about this last night. You know, when Mark Rick took over for Al Golden, he said that he wanted to recruit South Florida. And I think he did that um, and it, and he had plenty of success, but it seems like Manny Diaz, at least in this class of 2021, has kind of taken things to the next level. I mean, we're taping this podcast Friday morning, midday. Um, right now, Miami's at 19 commitments. 16 of them are from South Florida, and a ton of them are from the same high school. So um, I guess let's start with you, David, because yeah. you, you, you uh, wrote about kind of – the school where Miami has five commits right now, and that is, is Miami Northwestern. So make the case for why Miami Northwestern, I guess, is uh, Miami's best pipeline right now. Yeah, I think the case for Northwestern kind of boils down to quantity. And, you know, I think if Miami can improve their winning and play on the field, at, you know, take that to a higher level, then I think we'll see the quality even from Northwestern uh, improve. And honestly, we're, we're seeing glimpses of that in this 2021 class with the hope that Miami can be good on the field this season, because in this 2021 class alone, we, we all already know they got four-star Romello Brinson, four-star Cam Kinchins, and then uh, very high upside, not high upside, but upside players. I think that still have a lot of development to do in Ja'Cory Hammett, Khalil Brantley and Tim Burns. So, you know, that's five players in this class alone. Uh, you know, I'm the old man on this podcast and my first real cycle of recruiting coverage happened in 2008. And that is when the, you know, famed Miami Northwestern class of 2008 was happening and Miami signed eight, um, eight prospects from that team alone, um, you know, Marcus Forston, Aldarius Johnson, Sean Spence, Ben Jones, Tommy Streeter, Ja'Cory Harris, Kendall Tompkins, and Brandon Washington. Now, did all those guys hit? No. Um, but honestly, if, if I was Miami, I would, I would recruit those guys all over again because I think they were all very talented guys. Uh, all guys deserved to be at Miami. The development didn't really work out for, for a lot of those guys, um, but certainly they, they were good enough to play at Miami. Interestingly, the next guy from Northwestern to sign with Miami didn't happen until five cycles later when cornerback Artie Burns uh, committed to Miami. So uh, their next commitment following that 2008 group was a big time get turned out to be a first round pick. That gap though is notable because Miami kind of missed out on some big timers from Northwestern due to various reasons, whether it was a, a coaching change, 
from Randy Shannon to Al Golden. That's the main reason why Miami missed out on uh, quarterback Teddy Bridgewater and his wide receiver Eli Rogers. The next year, Al Golden just, um, you know, jumped on wide receiver Amari Cooper far too late. Uh, Alabama had already made a, a huge move with him by the time Miami wanted to act like they were going to get serious with recruiting him. And so he was kind of Alabama bound at that point. And then in 2015, DeAndre Baker goes to Georgia. Uh, he turns into a first round pick. And then, you know, recently, one of the, the interesting ones, and look, I, I can understand why Miami didn't necessarily make a strong push for him. But still, I mean, the results make you wonder why didn't Miami go after him? But Tutu Atwell, yeah. who is the wide receiver at Louisville, on a lot of you know preseason All-American lists this year, total speedster. He played primarily quarterback, right, for Northwestern that year. Yeah. So what a lot of people, do, what a lot of people don't remember about Tutu now to cut you off is actually yeah. one-time FAU quarterback commit. Right. So maybe the projection, I don't know, but. You know, I think just seeing him at quarterback, you could tell like he's got some serious wheels to him and the transition to receiver at the college level is probably not going to be that difficult. Now, could we have expected him to be this good? I think that's disingenuous. But so I guess my main point is, look, from a quantity standpoint, since 2000, Miami has signed, I believe, 19 players from Miami Northwestern. So that's essentially one player per year. And that doesn't include the five they have committed in this class. And, you know, I would expect at this point all five guys to sign. So that number is going to bump up to, you know, 24 in basically 20 years. So from a quantity standpoint, you know, Northwestern is very, very friendly to Miami. I go in, in the article, I go into how that's a good thing because I mean, Northwestern's on a great run right now. They've won three state titles. Uh, there's a good chance if, if high school football's played this fall that they could win a fourth in a row. Um, and then again, like I said, I think if Miami does take their winning to the next level, that's only going to help them at a place like Northwestern where, you know, maybe they, they then get a Teddy Bridgewater type or an Amari Cooper type or a DeAndre yeah. Baker type. So I think, you know, Northwestern, the quality maybe hasn't quite been there consistently, um, but certainly they're, they're a school that is pro-Miami in a lot of ways. Real quick, my, I guess my first question, I mean, like I was in college when you, you rattled off some of those guys. Like, do you think Miami taking a step back and, and realizing what they missed in Teddy Bridgewater um, – DeAndre Baker, uh, Amari Cooper, like, do you think you take a step back and that is the reason why they are now putting such an emphasis on, on recruiting these schools? I would hope so. I think, you know, during that time, you know, the guys you listed, Eli Rogers, Amari Cooper, Teddy Bridgewater, that era, um, you know, quite frankly, Miami didn't have the best relationship with the local high school coaches in general. Um, that was one of the downfalls of the Al Golden era. He wasn't necessarily all that great on great terms 
with the Dade County coaches. So that relationship needed to be mended. And I think Mark Rick took some steps to get that done. I think Mark Richt did, uh, you know, help, help Miami in that regard. And, and we're now seeing Miami uh, or Manny Diaz uh, take that to the next level, like you said. So, you know, look, I'm a guy that's always going to say bet on Dade County. So, <laughs> you know, I think uh, you need to be on good terms with the local schools and, Certainly Miami Northwestern is a school you want to be on good terms with because of the talent they always churn out. Um, and, you know, that, that's even the talent that no one necessarily even sees coming. Like no one saw Levante David, um, who was on that 2008 Northwestern team and has ended up being by far the best player from that team. No one saw him as like a future star, right? So, um you know, bet on Dade County, bet on guys from Northwestern. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's a very good sign that in this 2021 class, which features, again, guys who are winning multiple state, state titles. And I do think winning at the high school level does translate some to the college level. Like you want winners in your program. So guys like Romello Brinson, Cam Kinchins, Khalil Brantley, like those guys are leaders on that Northwestern team. I think that matters for your locker room. So I'm all in on Northwestern. So we go from high volume to um, the next school. And this is one, Gabby. I mean, you didn't go to Miami Columbus, but um, correct me if I'm wrong here. You, you're pretty familiar with the program or, or, or no? Yeah, I went to school like across the street, like Bird Road, like Columbus is on like, I guess the north side of Bird Road. I went to school like just south of Bird Road. So like we were just right across the street from one another. So I'm pretty familiar with just the program and just the area in general. And like, what's really interesting to me just about like just my experiences growing up around like, you know, in that area of generally where Columbus is, is just like, you never really thought about Columbus as like a program that was producing a lot of these big time talents. Like, yeah, obviously like back then, you know, you had Mario Cristobal, you had Alonzo Heisman that kind of came out of there but otherwise it's this wasn't really a program that was producing a ton of top flight talent like when I was in when I was in high school Dion Bush like in the area was just like holy crap this is like she's like a kid from around here that like goes to school around here and is actually getting all these big time like these big time college authors so that was kind of like the one guy that like when I was like growing up was like wow like we have one and then now you're kind of starting to see and I think it really started in that 2017 class with CJ Henderson Josh Uche and Trajan Bandy that Columbus kind of started to become this program that's actually starting to kind of consistently get and develop these kind of like big division one prospects, you know, that's not Brandon Rackson back then, but he wasn't really a factor with, with Miami and all that. But I mean, when you start thinking about it now, like when I think about Columbus and as like a pipeline, I think of like kind of like what could be like, it, it, like kind of like what's, it, this could be the start of something. Cause you know, in 2017, at, at one point, CJ Henderson, Josh Uche, and Trajan Bandy were committed to Miami. You know, these, this was a program that had a chance to potentially sweep that. And, you know, obviously CJ Henderson ended up being a first round pick. Josh Uche was second rounder and Trajan Bandy was the starting cornerback at Miami. So there was already some ties there. And like those relationships were, or at least the school was already starting to kind of develop that. Obviously it didn't go as planned. That didn't work out the way that maybe people would have hoped, but still you're starting to see it now. Like last cycle, Miami goes out and gets a, an Elijah Roberts. This this 2021 cycle, you're seeing Ryan Rodriguez, Jabari Ishmael, 
and you're kind of starting to see this starting to kind of like I guess started like I guess simmer up again where you're like okay this could be a school where man you could really start to potentially create this pipeline at you know with these two guys coming in you know it's obviously huge and honestly there's probably no better time for it you know this is a this is a school that's really reaching its peak from a potential I mean from a uh, production standpoint this is what that played for a state title two years ago I believe won it this past year you know this is like before that like you know Columbus was always a team that you know it was Columbus blend that was the game everyone was interested about the school it was like that was kind of the big deal and otherwise there wasn't really much more expectation from them and now you're starting to see this program is starting to consistently compete for championships and starting to produce all this top talent we've seen it with other guys that have gone other places and you know now you're with these guys committed you're starting to say, okay, with these guys coming in, Elijah Roberts coming in, and now you have another prospect in the 2022 class in Julian Armella, and you can kind of see where, you know, if Miami is able to obviously sign Ryan Rodriguez and Jabari Ishmael, which we anticipate they will, potentially that could, I guess that could potentially help sway uh, Julian Armella, who just transferred in from uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. And, you know, if that does go well, let's say Julian Armella does eventually pick Miami down the road at some point. You know, I think once that happens, I think that officially gives Columbus the title as a pipeline school. I wouldn't say maybe it's a super pipeline at the moment. I think it's starting to become one, but I think the potential that it has to really become kind of a factory, it's closer to campus, it's closer to Miami than any of those other schools. It's closer than Northwestern. It's closer than, than Chaminade. It's really just down the road in Westchester. And just, I mean, just think about the facilities that Columbus has. I mean, I, I haven't seen many high schools, but I can't imagine that there's many around that have the facilities that Columbus has. So if Miami is, or if that Columbus continues, if that Columbus program continues to rise and they continue to produce this top talent and Miami is able to kind of like, you know, put their stamp on it. Like this is pretty much like our school. Like you're not going to come in here and grab these top players out of here. I think that Columbus has the potential to, to maybe not be a Northwestern because like what David was saying with just like the quality of, and like a quantity of, of the amount of kids that Miami's got out of the school. But I think, you know, as these years go and as Columbus continues to rise, this could really be a school that Miami could kind of hammer down as their own. Two things, I guess, from my end. Uh, number one, I, I, I like Columbus a lot just because of Trajan Bandy. You know, he was one of my favorite players to kind of cover um, and, and recruit. So I, I just got to, you know, give that him that shout out. But you, you mentioned kind of a, a, a budding high school program. And that's what I really think Columbus is. I mean, I don't, I'm not too versed in the whole history, but I think if you're going to gamble on a program right now, um, that's one I would buy some, buy some stock in. I mean, what they did in this past NFL draft uh, w- with Josh Uche being drafted, CJ Henderson, obviously uh, going in, in the top 10 um, and, and they're, and they're starting to really churn out players. Um, I, I think it's, it's, like only more and more talented players are going to end up, it seems like, at Columbus. So if you're Miami, why not uh, invest as many resources as you can in that school? And you also got to think, I think, David, right last year, Miami scrimmaged at, at Columbus a few times. Am I, am I wrong on that? Yeah, they did. It's In terms of like mileage, it's not that far at all from the UM campus. So it's very close to home. And yeah, I mean, you guys are right. Like, I, I do think, you know, Miami Columbus is probably uh, a better program than a lot of people realize. Um, they do win at a pretty high level, uh, you know, since I've been you know, following high school recruiting now, since, like I said, since 2008, 
and in my mind, two things really stand out about Columbus compared to uh, other, you know, Dade County programs. Number one, I, I do think their coaching is kind of always on point in terms of how they develop their players and, and put them in positions to succeed. Number two, I think their strength and conditioning program, you know, for the high school level is also pretty impressive. So certainly, and, and you mentioned too, like you wonder if, if Columbus will, you know, I, I think what you're hinting at is can they be like a St. Thomas Aquinas, right? Who gets a lot of transfers in uh, year after year. I wonder, cause you know, I, I think a lot of these guys you've mentioned like Trajan Bandy, CJ Henderson, they're kind of from that down South area. Um, you know, typically I think they would be going to like Southridge or Killian, uh, et cetera. And so I wonder if, you know, Miami Palmetto this year is a school that has a lot of guys. I wonder if, you know, those guys in the, in the past or, or, you know, I wonder if Columbus has made a run at, at adding those guys, uh, right. because they kind of fit that profile of kids that Columbus goes and gets. And I don't, uh, I guess one way to put this, and this isn't like a negative way. It's like, I think I've always looked at Columbus where it's like, like they have one foot, like a toe in the water, but it's like, are you guys going to step fully into it? Or does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, St. Thomas, uh, you know, they get a lot of stick for how they do just reload every year, but bottom line is they win and they get kids in and get them to college. So maybe, maybe the, the model and I mean, Columbus doesn't need to fix anything. They just want to, I'm not saying they need to fix it, but maybe it's more like Cardinal Gibbons. Cause I think Gibbons has a little more influx of transfers every year up in, up in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, just something kind of openly thinking out. So my assigned school was, I I think the school I probably spent more time at aside from St. Thomas Aquinas, since I started covering recruiting down here and that's Shamadon Madonna prep. Um, I think this is this is kind of like I'll, I'll say this. I think if 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 there's a top recruit at Chaminade, Madonna, I feel like Miami absolutely has a chance at getting them. And and I'll say this right now: the one guy who I think will test this theory is uh, Kenyatta Jackson, the 2022 defensive end, the top two four seven kid. Like he is the first one I think where it's like, all right, is it, is Miami really going to get him? Um, cause they've wanted him from the start. Now I know if you go back to two cycles ago, Miami was involved with John Dunmore, the wide receiver. Uh, he ended up signing with Penn state. Miami was kind of in there, but I don't, I don't think Miami from the jump was full on board with John Dunmore. So that's why I bring up Kenyatta Jackson. But to me, what I really like about the Shamanan Madonna kids is, um, you know, they seem to, and, and it's a small sample size, but these guys seem to produce right away. We saw it to Corey couch, and Keontra Smith both play as freshmen. Um, I've always really liked Cam Williams, the defensive end who was part of that class and the the, the 2019 group they got. Um, and, and then you look at what they have committed at the school this cycle in uh, Thad Franklin, the running back, um, Alan Hay, the defensive tackle, and Andre Borregales, uh, the kicker. I was actually talking with Damon Jones after Jamal Johnson committed, and he's like, honestly, dude, like, I don't know if we should change our um, our name to the Chaminade Hurricanes. He's like, I just have so many of these guys that kind of, 
kind of build in and um it's it's been not like i don't want to say like fun to watch how uh this has always progressed but it seems like miami just has a huge stronghold in that school um which is good because like we mentioned with northwestern and and columbus like these are programs that win state titles and i think to some degree like that counts in the end like having guys that are used to winning as opposed to losing let me ask you guys both you know and maybe it's an easy answer i don't know but if you were going to say okay next i would like to see manny diaz and recruiting staff do a better job at this local school uh not that they're doing a bad job now but we'd like to see them do better at this school, which school would you say? Is it just easy to say St. Thomas or would you go American heritage plantation or Deerfield? Oh God. Well, I know what like every subscriber or listener is going to say, they're going to point to plantation. Um, I, I would go Aquinas. I I would lean towards Aquinas. I I do think with Deerfield, I mean, Miami was finally able to kind of, break the curse last cycle, getting Jalen Knighton. Um, you know, it, it had been, I think, a long time since they had pulled someone out of Deerfield. I don't have the number in front yes. of me, but it, it had been a couple of years. But I think if they can get into Aquinas, that would, that would kind of do um, some wonders on the recruiting front because ever really since they got Mike Harley, you know, that was, what, 2017? 17 cycle, I think. That was my okay. first year. Um, you know, they really haven't. I mean, they get guys, but they haven't gotten the top dudes. And I've always had this kind of theory that, you know, the people in Aquinas' locker room don't, like, really want to go to, like, Miami, and I'm not sure why. And I guess Al Blades is one, but he was a legacy. But I think if they could get back in at Aquinas, that would would really help out. And I'll say this right now, um, Zion Turner, the the 2022 quarterback, I keep hearing that they really like him. So um, maybe he's the guy that – you know, could, could eventually buck the trend. But Gabby, wh- what do you think with uh, David's question? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think Heritage is obviously, like we said, it's, it's probably the easy answer, but I think it's probably one of the right ones just because, you know, we, we've seen it. We're like, you know, with Patrick Cam, we saw Tyson Cam, we got Nesta, they wanted, I mean, with Chad, you know, there's always a ton of guys coming out of there. Miami hasn't always done, a, I guess, a perfect job over there. Maybe not as good as, of a job as, as some would hope. So I think now with James Williams, I think that's a great, I mean, I don't even know if you can call that a foot, in, a foot in the door. I think that's kind of busting down the door. And then you have a couple 2022 guys in there. You know, you, I know, Andrew, you've talked about Marvin Jones Jr. He just got a super ridiculous rating bump, like five-star range. You got Earl Little Jr., who's, who's also a legacy guy. So I think, you know, James Williams being that guy there, I think that kind of makes an impression on maybe those two guys. I know Marvin Jones is a Florida State legacy who really knows there. But Earl Little, I think, is a guy who's a top with top 70 recruit I think he's, yeah. he's quite right up there in the top 100 you know that that's a kid where this could potentially sway and you're able to land a James Williams and I think that I think just we're already seeing how much that that commitment or just how much people gravitate towards him so imagine just kids that are spending a whole season playing alongside this guy so I think that um I think Miami I think just busted down the door at Heritage and I think uh if you know this obviously holds up I think that this could potentially uh, really make things interesting over there. And it's a school that Miami definitely wants to be successful at. David, what about you? I think I'm surprised no one mentioned Palmetto. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I was going to, you know, tongue in cheek, I was going to ask you, Andrew, is there a chance Miami uh, makes Palmetto a pipeline this cycle? 
I mean, we'll see. I, I, I think, you know, a couple months ago, I would have said, yeah, they're, like, they're going to go for five there. Like I was ready to crystal ball all of those kids to Florida. And it's just weird how, how times change. I, I think there's a good chance that Miami adds, adds a few. Um, and, and we'll see. I, I, I guess I, I deferred to Aquinas as my answer because I know every year that Aquinas yeah. is going to have dudes. So, I no mean, it, and I believe Mike Manasco is like an excellent coach at Miami Palmetto. Uh, and I think, you know, his program, yeah. what he's been able to do there is amazing. Like, I just don't know what that next wave of, of elite dudes is. That's why I deferred to uh, Roger Harriet and Aquinas. But, um, it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, is there any like off the wall programs you guys think that maybe Miami should should try to do better at? I got one for like what about U school? Um, yeah, they have guys every couple of years it seems like, right? And now they got the uh, Brandon Ennis, who's the twenty twenty three receiver. But I mean, Marcus Tate, the uh, uh, Marcus the, Tate, yeah. the offensive lineman here. I mean, they went after Kenny McIntosh a few cycles ago. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Um, you know, I mean, we talked about Northwestern. There's always guys at Miami Central. Yeah. Like, who's fairly, you know, like Northwestern. I think Central, too, is, you know, friendly to Miami. Um, you know, Norland lately hasn't necessarily had guys, but I think earlier in the in the previous decade, Norland was one of the top programs, uh, you know, producing guys to Miami, kind of similar to Shamanan Madonna in recent years. Um, yeah, I mean, all those schools in, in North Miami-Dade County, you know, with uh, Coach Hypolite, uh, Carroll City had a role. I, I don't even know if he's still the coach there. Oh, and he's at, he's at Miami. He's at Miami. The, yeah, 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 he's at Miami. But when he was there, right, they were rolling. Uh, yeah. They're not really at that level right now. And then Miramar, you know, they had a run where they were – so, you know, things change, things shift uh, from decade to decade. But the bottom line is, you know, like I said, you bet on South Florida. So uh, I think overall, you know, we, we've touched on it in, in the previous podcast how the current situation certainly helps Miami uh, with, with guys not being able to go see other schools. But I think at the same time, just as important – and it does need to be raised. The Miami recruiting staff right now is also putting the work in. That uh, They're making the most of this moment locally. Um, and, you know, a lot of that credit goes to both the recruiting staff and the coaching staff, um, you know, getting those locals bonds strong. Uh, it seems like the message of playing for your city um, is definitely resonating with yeah. this class. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot like I'm like looking forward to Manny Diaz talking about that at a press conference, but I, I feel like that will be definitely, um, addressed. Uh, let's, let's start wrapping this thing up guys. What, what do you guys have coming up on deck? I'll just say this right now. Um, yeah, you tease something. Let's go. <laughs> we're, we're taping at noon on, uh, Friday. I, I think I, I wrote this on the message board Thursday night, teasing that things were going to get active. Um, it seems like some stuff has maybe been pushed to this weekend, so uh, we'll see. Stay tuned. But I think Miami yeah. could get some some good news on on multiple fronts. You know, just absolutely ruin my weekend, which is fine. I'm I'm here for it. Uh, Gabby, I know what, what you're going to some workout on 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 Friday. What, what tell us about that? 
Yeah, I'm headed up to, to Davey to watch. A, it's like an offensive line versus defensive line, just kind of like all in, just, I guess, I guess, I guess just a bunch of guys getting some reps. So that's a, that's later on in the afternoon. And uh, Torian Wilson, the crafting lineman guy, let me know if there's going to be a couple a couple uh, big-time prospects over there. I know uh, St. Thomas Aquinas uh, defensive lineman Tyreek Sapp, who has Miami in his top five, is, is expected to be there. Uh, Julian Armella, the 2022 Columbus offensive lineman, is uh, expected to be there. And you know, he told me you never know who's going to show up, that it's just kind of a free-for-all. So um, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that this is going to be a, a pretty active Friday afternoon. And I'm pretty happy that about is, it. That, that is like South Florida recruiting in like yeah. a nutshell. You, you never know who's going to show up. Yeah. Yep probably be other ballers there so i want to plug some things on the site uh 24 7 sports runs a social distance series which they do uh video interviews with various people around you know college football and brandon marcello who's a 24 7 sports college football expert did a you know over 20 minute interview with rhett lashley uh on video so I would highly recommend everyone go to the website insidetheu.com um, to check out that interview. You know, Coach Lashley talks about Derek King, talks about Manny Diaz, you know, in general, just how, how this crazy offseason has been uh, in terms of handling things. And, you know, I think you get a, a nice little insight into the kind of guy uh, Coach Rhett Lashley is with that video. So, again, Go to the website, check out that video. It's free. Um, anyone can see it. Um, so yeah, I would, I would recommend going and seeing that. Let me again, bring up the Instagram account 24 seven canes. Uh, give us a follow there. We're now at 700 followers. Uh, just a couple weeks of doing it. And I'm going to, Andrew doesn't know this, but I'm going to make a promise that when we hit a thousand followers, me and Andrew will do an IG live where we talk <laughs> recruiting. So get us to a thousand, make Andrew come on IG live with us. We'll have fun with it. Um, and yeah, just want to thank to anyone who's taken advantage of the subscription deals lately and want to thank everyone for rating and writing a review of this podcast. We really appreciate it. So if you want to keep that going, please do that as well. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Take care.